Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Billy Wonka Experience. I am your host, Daryl, and I'm super excited today for my guest, longtime friend. I met this guy probably back in 2005-ish. Um, got me inspired into, into training. Just like, I don't know, this guy's a beauty lister for sure. Good looks, nice, bright smile, entrepreneur, and one hell of a monster in the gym. Matthew Park, buddy, how are you? It's been a long time, my friend. It's good. It's good to see your face again, man. After about 17 years, you know, you're looking, you're, you haven't aged a bit. Your hair looks better than I saw you last 17 years ago and uh, looking forward to having some fun, man. It's going to be awesome. Uh, I don't know. The hair is one thing. I used to have it in a bit of a full hawk. It's kind of what you got going on right now. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you're, you're out in Montreal, are you? Yes, sir. Over in Montreal, been here for about seven and a half years. Yeah. And how is living in out East there? Out East is good. You know, it's uh, obviously it's French culture out here. You know, we got lots of French people. Obviously, I'm still working on my 13th word of French, which is coming along quite nicely. Uh, every mm. year I get one more in French, but uh, the culture is nice and diverse out here and we're enjoying it. So the 13th word of French, which one is that? That's not the tabernacle. That's about the first or second one you're going to learn. So where are you with the French? I kind of closed my ears on the, on that T word. I was, I was like, you know, I hear that every second word. I was like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on bonjour, you know, bonjour, ça va bien, you know, yeah, <laughs> keep that yeah. word. It's my main one. <laughs> yeah. It's different. I always give people props when you see, you can hear them speak, you know, French and English, or they speak several other languages. And you're like, I, English is still one of those ones that I haven't conquered yet. So I don't know that I can branch out and cover off another one. <laughs> it comes with practice there. You're by year, you get one board every, every single year, buddy. It's well, I'm trying. I actually enrolled myself in a French in a French class online to see if I can bolster it up a bit. And I signed up. I took one lesson and I haven't looked back at the course in about a month and a half. So it's <laughs> it's not really going all that great, but it's there at the very least to get going at some point. It was the attempt. Yeah, it was the effort. It was the effort. Yeah. It was after the attempt. after 16 years, man, you were looking pretty good. How was how was life overall for you? It's been, I mean. I got to say, you are one of those people who was like an eternal optimist, a bright, positive ray of sunshine. Like it looks like it hasn't changed one bit, but how have things been with you the last little while? You know, what has been, man, it's, those years go by pretty fast. Like almost, almost two decades, Daryl, kind of crazy how things go by the way they do. And it's funny yeah. because coming out here, you know, obviously I mentioned to you, we're, we're catching up on the, on the, basically last we're catching up on a call, they're kind of about life in general. And it's unique. Like obviously family and I got two young kids. I got a four-year-old and a two-year-old. I'm married for seven years with which NBF for 14 and a half years and kind of just evolving with family life, business life, uh, you know, keeping everything's rolling and learning along the way as well too. Lesson, lesson. So definitely it's been learning curve on the way as well too. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. It's uh, it's, you said it right, man. It's a, uh, it's a roller coaster. Hey, it's a it's, roller coaster for, you know, I, I remember back in the training days, it was, it seemed very simple. You just woke up, you went to the gym, you went yep. to school, you went home and you ate, you woke up, you went to the gym. It was very basic. It was very simple. And at the time, I remember thinking like, wow, life is busy. Like, oh my God, I can't, I don't even know what I'm doing. And then I had a kid and I'm like, man, was I an idiot? Like this, life wasn't busy. <laughs> there was nothing to it. It was super simple. Yeah. That's uh, so funny. You, you got three kids now yourself. You got three kids, you got your wonderful wife. So yeah. your kids in mind. Yeah. They're a little older. They're uh, one's cresting the teenagers. He'll be 13 in June. Uh, and he's about the same size as dad almost like he's five foot eight, I don't know, 160 pounds. He's got like size 12 feet. So he's a big kid. Right. And so sometimes you forget that he's only 12. When you look at him, you're like, uh, what, so, do you, what are you feeding him Daryl? I think it was probably too much creatine. I was taking when, you know, back when he was in the womb, 
I, I don't know. It's a uh, protein or something like that. I don't know. It's got good genes, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's been, it's good though. Like it's uh, there's no handbook. Like we talked about earlier, there's no handbook on how to parent or how to do any of this stuff. So you kind of learn as you go. There's yeah. lots of fun stuff, lots of things that I never really thought I would have to talk about or answer questions to or any of that stuff. So it's, uh, it's interesting, but lots of fun, man. They're, they're really good kids. So that's the best part. The journey and a half, right? Oh, totally. Yeah, totally is. Well, you've, you've had a journey of your own. Hey? I re- like when we last spoke, you were in Nate getting your personal fitness training yeah. um, certification. And uh, I don't think we had a conversation since that. Hey? No, man. No. It's, ever, it's, it's been like basically we, we were training together for almost what a year, year and a half training together almost every morning in the gym, five days a week at Nate. Like, it, you know, we were always in the gym training with weights. And, um, it's funny because after that, it's like, you went your way out my, but it was funny how we kind of come back 17 years later. And it's like, no, not much. I'll say our lives have changed drastically, but we're still thinking of back in the day when you were in the red truck of mine, you know, we were talking about Popeye supplements, right? (laughs) (laughs) It's funny how, you know, that's what I enjoy though. Like when you meet a good person that you connect with after 17 years, it's pretty, it's just an easy transition. You just fall right back into the conversation. Things are good. There's no weirdness or awkwardness. It's just nice and easy, right? Well, when you actually come down, down here to training with me again, just come to Montreal. We'll do, do some workouts again man, and kind of catch up on old times. You can see that those legs of yours have you know kept up to the, the punch oh. here in the last 17 years, dude. No, man. <laughs> these, le- these legs of mine have been through some knee surgeries and they are not looking good. <laughs> oh. You know, I was, I was always one when you're younger, you got this limitless strength, right? You think you're just unstoppable. And I remember watching you on the leg sled, you'd have all the 45 plates on each side, and then you'd have people sitting on top of it. I'm like, this guy's, he's nuts. Like what is happening? And then all of a sudden I'm in the seat and I'm like, this is crazy. What is going on right now? (laughs) Well, that's why we worked out because it was like, you know, it was funny because I'd push, you'd push, you'd push me, I pushed you. Yeah. And you were always stronger than me on, on chest movements. And I was always stronger on the leg moves. It was kind of funny because it was a good balance because otherwise I needed your strength and lower wise, you used, you used my strength. So it's kind of funny how the balance of both of us to, you know, kind of keep ourselves accountable was so, was so beautiful, man. It was so yeah. awesome. Well, and you, you've been in training for a long time, especially as it's your career. Have you noticed there been a bit of a decline in training partner, so to speak? Like that was back in the day, man, like that was it. When you went to the gym, you always had a training partner with you and it wasn't necessarily for anything more than motivation. Right. And yeah, it was sure to help you on a couple sets if you needed it or just to give you some new ideas on what you can do, but it was just, it was the motivation. And then it was that sense of community where every day you went to the gym, it was the same amount of people, the same people that were there. And it was just that motivation. So is that, is that still something that happens today? Cause I, I don't see it. You know, I think, I think it does in certain levels, but like right now, like my, my partner right now, actually said, it's funny. I, I haven't seen my, my Alan, one of my other friends for like three, two or three years. He's actually owns EPN supplements over here in Montreal. I've had a partner, Daryl, for honestly, for three years up until I just hang out with Alan for one workout actually last week. But it's funny because when we were chatting on the tra- truck uh, or my car last week, we we're talking about like old Nate days. My partners would last maybe a couple of workouts. That's pretty much it because, you know, just because the, uh, you know, going to dash workout dash, you know, babysit people was, wasn't really my thing. It was more of yeah. like, I want to actually can push me. And of course you always pushed me. So it's kind of funny how we collaborated in that way. But nowadays it's, 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 it's a little different than it was back in the day. I think, you know? Yeah. So what's and here's why though? I think, here's why though, oh, Daryl. Yeah. Here's why, here's the funny why, because Instagram popped up, right? So Instagram popped up and of course, selfies improved, right? So of course, people are more intrigued about getting the right angle on, on the gym with their yeah. shot. Yeah, 
I agree. I agree. You see it all the time. I, I, I have to say, like, I've, I've never been ever since we quit training um, back in the day. Like, I went to hardcore for a bit. So, I like, Ryan, you know, my brother, like, we would train once in a while. But ever since that point, I have really tried to stay away from the public gyms and try to go to places where I can go in there where I don't have to work around people who are doing supersets, but take three and a half hours because they're talking and they're in the bathroom or they're taking selfies, they're watching videos or checking their phone. Like a lot of it's just, it's frustrating. I don't consider myself a hardcore gym enthusiast, but when I go to the gym, it's, it's fucking go time. Like, let's get this yeah. done. Right. Yeah. And I, people just don't have that same mindset. Well, not everyone, I should say, but a lot of them, you don't see that. So it's, it's, it's the gym actually right now, I'm right now, it's just called social art. I'm actually right now, it's more a private gym. We actually have in Montreal right now. And it's kind of okay. that philosophy where it's like, you got a key card going whenever you want 24 hours, whenever it's more of a smaller gym, maybe mm -hmm. 75 members max of the gym. But I'll go Sunday morning tomorrow morning and there's nobody in the gym, bro, from like basically 730, 930, just me and the iron with yeah. some music. It's freaking fun. Yeah. It's lots of fun. It's almost like, uh, it's just your zone. Like you get in there and you're like, if somebody's there, you want to kick them out. Cause you're like, this is my house. Let me do my thing in here. You can take, you could just go on leave until I'm finished here. Or you give them the look, right? It's like, what are you doing here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, like it's, there's been so many times when I go into a gym, there may be one or two other people there and you look at them, you don't talk, you know, like they acknowledge that you're there. You, and you just give them a bit of a head nod and you just go do your own stuff. Nobody talks to each other. You can, you check them out be like, okay, this guy's lifting pretty good. Like, then you go back and you just do your thing and there's no conversation. It's just like this unwritten, this unwritten pack. You're just like, all right, head nod, but leave me alone. I don't want to talk to you right now. That's pretty much what I found though, man, in, in public gyms, obviously is more like this. Like, I'll give you an example. So you come in the gym, you do a set, you know, talk to somebody like yourself or somebody else in the gym. All of a sudden they're, they're like this in their phone. They're like, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, so it's almost yeah. like they're looking at their phone more than they're, you know, talking to you. I'm like, put that damn phone away yeah. and actually come do a workout. Like do, do a set of squats between your upside, you know, get yourself, kick your ass. Right. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, it's funny because phones, of course, of course, have, have evolved in technology, of course, is amazing nowadays. But I find training, it's like, you know, if you're gonna go for that one hour, you know, train for one hour and like beat yourself, you know, up for that one hour and then get yourself out of the gym and go, you know, go eat some food and like recover. But, you know, it's just the way it is. It's kind of changed now. But of course, like you said, private gyms are kind of probably the angle that go nowadays, I think, you know. Yeah, well, especially, you know, like World Health Club back in the day, it was a $20 drop in fee. And I'm like, yeah. uh, 20 bucks, like what for? He's like, well, you can come back anytime. Well, I don't want to come back again. I want to do my workout and then I want to go home. I'm not coming back again later. Like that's, I think our wires are crossed here. This is a one hit wonder thing. I'm not coming twice in a day. Um, when you talk about the cell phone, it was brings up an interesting thing. I was at a power of success conference in Edmonton. I think it was about three years ago, just before COVID hit. And uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger was there among other people, Arnold. All over. And he was the, like, that was the reason I wanted to go. Like Gary John Bishop was there. He's a life coach, like very successful life coach. He's got some really interesting and very um, inspirational books about, you know, like it's, uh, uh, oh crap, the name is escaping me right now. Um, but it's all like, stop that shit, like just fix yourself, right? And um, and so there was a few other authors there, um, Marcus Sattrell with the Navy SEAL um, that was on up in the, if, excuse me, in Afghanistan. Um, so a lot of interesting stories, but when Arnold got up there, it was, you know, he draws your attention and yeah. he talked about that, how he always hears people say, well, there's, I don't have time for this. I don't have time. I don't have time. And so he breaks it down and he goes, you know what? You sleep eight hours, you work eight hours, you drive for two hours, you eat for two hours. He's like, you got seven hours left in the day. Okay. You want to spend time with the kids? Okay. You got five hours. So you have five hours left in your day. What are you doing with that time? And it was almost like an aha moment because 
it's very much the same thing. Now, granted, with kids and stuff, like sometimes I need 12 hours, but mind you, I only usually get about five. But it really puts it in perspective. You have tons of time. You just choose, maybe you don't choose the right path when it comes to spending your time wisely, right? So those people in the gym on their cell phones scrolling, like, no, put it away. Like, this is your hour dedicated for you. Just go do your thing. Totally. Priorities, man. Priorities. Well, and it's different now, right? Like with the cell phone error and technology, it's different. But anyway, that's a topic for another day. Well, it's so the Billy you guys, Wonka show, man. You guys are all over the place. It's Billy Wonka experience, right? <laughs> the Billy Wonka experience, man. It's no holds barred and nothing's off limits. As long as somebody's willing to talk about it, we'll talk about it. <laughs> Uh, so you go to, you finish your, your, is it degree? It was a PF. Okay. So it was a two-year diploma, okay. a full-time diploma for, for PFT study. And then from there, I special, I actually went and specialized more in corrective exercise science to kind of make that my, my forte with the PFT training. Right. Okay. Um, and after I finished Nate, I was, at, I was actually at Nate, uh, working as a TA for two years and then also training clients there for about five years, uh, up until I was 26. And then from there I was doing actually Nate and also uh, world health club as well. That's kind of when I hit a peak as far as what I actually was earning in my PT company. It was basically a pretty high income at that level. Yeah. And then from there, I was like, I'm going to go all into my basically all into my company, which basically was RE7 INBF Canada at the time. So I was like, I got money saved up in the corner. I got about 25 grand saved up in the corner. I'll use that money to kind of keep me going for now. And I lost everything. Like basically at the first year, I was like, you know, based on the money we were using from the company, I was using to reinvest back in the company. I was using my savings to kind of keep myself afloat. And from there, I realized some life lessons of business. I'm like, Business is a unique animal when you actually get actually get, get it because people always think of like the success of like making the millions, but I'm like, you don't realize how hard it is to get to, towards making the first million. I'm like, it yeah. is shit, man. It is it is hell. And yeah. if you aren't following the path and like have the grit to keep going and have the discipline to actually keep yourself rolling, you know, it's that's why people don't necessarily make it that far, right? I'm just, I'm just being real with you on this on this show, bro. Like For it's, sure. it's yeah. a shit show. So, but once you kind of get it's funny because once you actually get your business growing. And work through those three to five to six, seven years of, of like growth. I call my 10 years of business experience university experience because you were learning about business and life and finance and metrics and like people yeah. skills. So yeah, you know, we, we definitely had success, but we also had a lot of failures more than we had successes. And now I'm like realizing now, like what not to do. Yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> it's like we talked about life in general. It's just a learning experience. You're always trying to, to mold and modify and adjust. So I, I remember when you started your company, what was the, your bodybuilding company or your, what was it oh, called? INBF Canada at the time, INBF Canada. That's right. And is that no longer a thing then? Well, actually I did. So after nine years of doing that, I did 43 shows across Canada. And from there, I basically passed the reins over to, to one of my promoters, Leo and Charlotte King. They took it over and now actually the name changed from INBF to WNBF Canada, same, same federation, same company, it's just a different name. And they just took over the federation back in the day, but probably about eight, um, eight years ago, I guess now. Yeah they're killing it. How, so how did that all start? Like, I remember watching you take off with that. And I was so inspired because of the stuff that you were doing. I wished I could have been somehow helped to be able to do that. I mean, but again, we all, we both went different ways, but how did that all start for you? Like, what was that all about? So I remember because I was with my girlfriend at the time and I, I had this like deep passion for, of course, for bodybuilding was, you know, bodybuilding always was my first love and always was, is my first love. Um, sounds kind of corny, but it's true. But, uh, yeah, you know, I get it. The people that are listening, if they're gym goers, they understand it's, it's, a, it's a lifestyle. It's a love. It's a, oh, it's, it's everything. 
Totally, man. Yeah. And I had this, I had this idea of like, I wanted to actually have a natural bodybuilding federation that actually drug tests all their athletes. And I was like 20 at the time thinking, you know, like, I don't know anybody. No one knows me. I'm just this guy who did a couple of shows, got last place in my shows and I got no money. I'm like, I'm not sure where I'm going to do this, but I'm just going to make the jump. So I called Charlie Carollo of the WNBF in New York and says, you know, I want to put this show on. He kind of gave me two things to get ready. He says, first, you got to find a drug tester. Number two, you got to find a venue. So I basically took two years, found all those things, launched the first show at 22 years old um, with uh, no, basically I used all the money I had left over to like put the first show on. I told my dad, my first show, I was like, dad, I got to make 10 grand to actually cover, like just actually put myself like back afloat again. Yeah. So with ticket sales, we'll obviously get this thing kind of going and we, we made uh, $10,400. So I was able to make $10,400 profit my first show. Wow. That's kind of where it all began, man, was this, this dream of like having, I, my first show was 18 athletes on stage. Um, not many competitors, but we ran our show in Edmonton at the Meyer Horowitz Theater for the first one. Mm-hmm. And then we ran 43 shows after that. That's incredible, dude. Good for you. Thank so what you, was man. that experience like trying to set that up and... Because I can imagine over the next few years when you had those 43 shows, it was like a ton of things happening all at once. What was that all? What was that like for you? Uh, that was a learning curve. I think going from, you know, just doing it for the first first show obviously was the hardest show to kind of get going. The hardest part was actually because it could be obviously because my name wasn't really well known yet. I was still kind of, a, again, a very newbie kind of young kid. No one knew it. So, of course, trust factor was was minimal for me. So I had to kind of really, really work that much harder to get people actually come to my shows. Mm-hmm. So I was working probably, you know, day and night trying to get competitors, you know, to actually compete in my bodybuilding shows. And my first show was 17 competitors, then I went 19 athletes and then 21 out. So it was very slow for me to grow. But it was like that grind of that first four years of like actually building credibility with all these, you know, the, the federation and yeah. just kind of using my PT money and just kind of filtering it over to the shows. It was yeah. like make money in PT and then use it for the IMBF. <laughs> make money, spend money, sleep on a cot. That's pretty much what it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. So how big is the show now? Like, I mean, when you last, when you handed over the reins, how big was it? Yeah, we were doing an average between like 90, 95 athletes a show, all, all drug-free athletes, obviously, right? So wow. it was a pretty good federation. Not every show was around that. So of course, our Calgary Edmonton shows were the biggest shows. Vancouver probably had around 50, 60 athletes competing in the shows. But going from 17 to that, you know, was is, is a big jump in my eyes, you know, kind of building it now. But like now people actually know what the name actually is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's 17 years later, right? It just took that many years to build it pretty much, right? That's got to give you a lot of pride looking at where it is now and knowing that that was your baby that you got started. Probably pretty hard to hand over though at the same time. It wasn't. I think I, I, there was, it was kind of like around the eighth year I was like feeling, I was like, this is my time to kind of like, you know, change paths in my, in my career path. So I was kind of past that phase and I realized, okay, I want to like find somebody else to take it over. I wasn't sure whether I close it down or whether I pass over the reins over. Mm-hmm. And I was actually, I was funny. I was actually, I actually had my podcast at the time, Daryl. And I was talking to this well-known author named Gay Hendricks on the called The Big Leap. And he kind of opened my eyes because I realized I was carrying this fear in my side of like, you know, what are people going to think if I close it down? What are they going to think if I pass it over? Like I was having this pride issue and this, this fear issue going on. Mm-hmm. After that call, I called Roseanne. I was like, Roseanne, I want to move the company over. Like, are you cool if we just pass it to somebody else? She's like, let's do it. We did it a month later. Leo said yes. And that was history. So That was it, eh? Yeah. So that transition like what what were you looking at i mean it, i think every every day people are looking for their sense of identity sense of purpose so you're struggling with this you've you've got a company that's just snowballing getting bigger and better and you want to leap into something else so what was it that you were looking to get into at that time you know that's a good question so i i was sort of like at the phase where that was actually my second phase of like kind of hitting a rock bottom point with my life of like I put all this effort into these shows. They weren't that profitable. Like they were profitable about basically like year five, year six, year seven. And year eight, I was like, 
I lost the passion. And I was like, mm. they're starting to like fall down again. I was like, okay, I'm losing my passion here. They're, they're not as profitable anymore. Let's pass it over to somebody else who actually can like, you know, take it to the reins and go, you know, take it to the moon. And that's what I kind of like moved over to RE7. And then I was like, RE7 was kind of like, I was in the, in the verge of the same kind of thing. I was like, I wasn't really feeling the passion there either. My biggest area of like growth I found was always in my late twenties or sorry, my, my, from like 22 to 26, I was like hammering things through. Mm-hmm. And that was when I was a coach. I loved being a coach but I kind of veered away from being a coach to almost being like just an entrepreneur, which I love being an entrepreneur as well, but I love being a coach and entrepreneur. Yeah. It took me 10 years to figure that out. So now TRM was born and now I'm like a coach and entrepreneur and now we're thriving, but it just took 70 years to figure out, figure this whole university degree out basically. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's just, it's putting, it's trying to get life um, in alignment with what your mindset is and what your dreams and passion are. And that, I mean, of course it's going to take some time. But let's let's talk about that TRM. So what what was the the idea behind TRM and, and how did that stuff get going? Yeah, so TRM, I started it basically. So I when I when I came to Montreal, I was doing I actually kind of moved away from INB, I moved away from kind of RE7 slowly. And I'll, of course I need to make some money now because of course things kind of took a different turn with everything kind of going on. And I went back into business coaching, which obviously I was getting people asking about business coaching for a while. So I was coaching clients in business coaching, not really a niche market for the first two years wasn't really fun. It was kind of like, it was okay. It was making money. It was paying the bills. It was doing okay. And then I did this thing called super league Canada for a year and a half, which kind of like blew up. Um, I brought, actually brought in the biggest event for all of the super league from Vegas in the, in the Montreal Canada project Montreal. We actually sold the whole gym or the gym closed down. We had like this massive event. And then it kind of like after the event, I was actually offered shares in the business, but then, I'll, then the owner of the, the CEO of the company decided to take a different turn with it. And I was like, Ugh, I don't want to go that direction. Mm-hmm. I'm out. Like, you know, this is, this is it. So I kind of went back to square one again of like coaching again, business coaching again, but I knew that, you know, trainers was where I wanted to focus in about five and a half years ago. So I niched myself down to trainers, began one-on-one coaching for about a year. Then I started TRM from there. And it, then it actually became a coaching brand that kind of been building ever since then. That's incredible. You've, you've had a lot of, uh, a lot of great ideas and a great business practice that you've kind of jumped in and out of throughout your whole lifetime. That must have been like that must have been a bit of a roller coaster, not even just for your life, but also like mentally. Like that's a lot of stuff going on. And you started at 20 years old, you're pushing 17 years later, you've got all these things happening. So how did that like mentally, how was that? How did that weigh on you? Or how was that your mindset throughout that? Like I know I always said you're you're always a very positive and optimistic person, but that has to that has to weigh on you just a little bit. Yeah, man. Like, I think we were talking about the car about this actually last week about this, Daryl, because I was mentioning to you that, you know, I went through, um, you know, losing everything twice, like having not, no money, no, no savings, the credit cards are max, like, you know, and it, this is like 26 and 29 years old, like, it's shitty, like it sucks, right? Yeah. And, um, and you realize like, that's kind of a humbling moment of like realizing when you kind of go through those moments of like, what life actually means, even though you had success, and you lost everything afterwards, right? Yeah. But yeah, I went through, I went through phases of like, even though I'm an optimistic person, I still am. And I always am, but I, I looked at the angle of, I was going through addictive behaviors. I was recovering workaholic. I was doing other stupid shit as well. And it was all because I was trying to cover my emotions based on all the pain I was facing. I didn't know actually who to talk to because I'm a crazy guy. Like I'm not a normal, normal, like employee. I'm like a guy who's kind of trying to like go for big goals in life. So having those combo people that understand that kind of that, that mentality is, is unique yeah. and different. Right. Yeah. You might get that because obviously we're kind of a little bit similar, but um, I kind of hit almost like hid, hid from that pain for a while. And then of course, kind of kept, you know, building along the way. And then I kind of came to an awakening about three years ago when I had my daughter um, four years ago. 
I was like, now I want to kind of like, I want to clean things up as far as like have a life again, not be a workaholic, not be like this crazy addictive guy where he's like, just like covering all his shit up. But like, I was trying to, didn't know how to face my, my pain so much because I was just doing so much at once, right? Business loss, um, ups and downs in life, you know, you know, thinking that I was going to go this, you know, with this company, all of a sudden they, they turn sideways and give me this other angle. So, and I realized, you know, now life is a different angle and it's just kind of a gift because I've gone through these experiences. I look back now and I'm like, I'm so thankful. I went through all those moments, Daryl, to be honest, yeah. I'm so thankful yeah. Um, yeah. because now they've kind of taught me the lessons of who I am now and who I want to be going forward as a father, a husband, as an entrepreneur and a leader. Mm-hmm. And if I would have gone through those things, I never would have known those lessons now. Yeah. That's pretty powerful stuff, man. And it's funny that, you know, you talk about the education you get in school or the education that life provides to you. Sometimes you can't even, the two don't compete and you have to experience life. But, you know, being such a tenacious person, I can imagine, you know, when you, when you're going through things in your mind, because I'm, I mean, I'm fairly similar in that, in that, right, where you could try to talk to somebody, but nobody really gets where you're coming from. So even though you're like, ah, I should probably go chat with somebody about this or, you know, I want to talk to so-and-so about how I'm feeling and maybe get some ideas. They have no idea what to respond or how to respond to you. They have nothing that they can really offer you that's going to be of benefit. So it really kind of keeps you isolated a little bit. So I, I totally understand that perspective for sure. I, I think so. I'll give you kind of an example. And this is, this is, this might sound a little bit in left field, but like, for example, with my family, my parents, for example, like, you know, like my company does quite well now. And of course it's the first time I've I, I actually had that kind of financial freedom that I ever, I never had for 17 years. And like, you know, even though I still go through a lot of navigating, you know, fires and growing a business, like just, you, they don't go away. You just got to deal with them now. There's just, just different angles of business. You hire right? people to deal with them. That's what I mean. You just, you just change <laughs> angles, right? Yeah, that's so, right. Yeah. I like to go to my mom and dad and say, Hey, I'm going through this issue right now in my business. And, you know, we're doing, you know, like, it's just, it's just, it's just different mindsets, right? Not that yeah. I don't love my, love my family, my parents, I love them, love them to pieces, but they just don't, the perspective is like, you got to go to someone who actually, you know, either has done that or is succeeding in that or can tell you like what they went through on their own experience. That's why I have one of my partner coaches from Cayman who kind of like been coaching me along, along what he's done. And um, it's that circle of people, man, it almost becomes smaller as you get bigger. I know it sounds kind of weird, but like, I don't have many friends right now, like close friends. Like I count on my finger, maybe, maybe like three, two, three, four, maybe max mm-hmm. that I can really like have a convo with. Other than that, you know, I have a ton of friends, but they're not like, like I should, I can trust to have a combo with that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, it totally does. But that's, that's your circle of influence, right? Like that's, those are the people that you can really truly confide in. Um, I, I understand that you can have tons of acquaintances, but the friends are the ones that are going to actually you benefit from and that they benefit from you. So it makes a lot of sense. There's a book, um, it's called the horse or the boy, the horse, the fox and the mole, I think. And uh, there's this one phrase in there where they're the horse and the boy are standing in the forest. And the boy says, I can't see. And the horse says, well, can you see your feet? And he goes, yeah. He said, then just take that next step. Like just, just take a step, watch where you're going that way. So it's, it's actually pretty, I mean, that's not verbatim, but it's a very, it's a very inspiring quote, but that's essentially what you're talking about. Like you're just taking that next step. You can't be afraid to walk. You just got to take that step. You stand there and it's going to be something that's worse. So no, good for you, dude. That's I'm, I'm really proud of you. Like I, I was very hopeful for you. You had a lot of great things that you were building even when we were in our twenties in the gym. And uh, I always knew you were going to go somewhere and be something. And, uh, and here you are with the CEO of TRM. So let's talk about TRM a little bit. So when you started going with trying to help 
train, uh, you know, trainers from the business model perspective. Um, how has that grown for you over the last three, four, five years? So it's grown pretty kind of kind of cool because of course at the first the first year I was pretty much a one guy show for the first year of the business. And the thing is, when you go through business enough, you kind of learn again what not and what to do as you're growing the business. Of course. What I've realized now is I can grow a company pretty fast because I, I know exactly what to do. Like, even though you can read this in a book, when you apply it to real life, it's a whole different ballgame. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. And I'm sure you can attest that. So like now TRM is like, it was a one person show. I had, you know, a, you know, a C, a, basically like a admin person, you know, first and I went to like hiring a mentor for us. Then I had another coach and I, I basically, so now it's actually a team of basically eight people full time with uh, five leaders as well that we actually have in TRM. We're, and we're of course growing as we evolve as well. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'm not looking to have a big team. I'm looking probably more to have a smaller, you know, intimate team that actually is really, you know, into the culture of our brand. Mm-hmm. Um, because to be frank with you, the one thing that I want to be real with people on is that when you're growing your business, um, I don't want these owners to go out there and start growing their companies. And when you get successful, you're taking a bunch of drugs and shit and trying to yeah. like, you know, cope with this over here. And like, I get those, those places that there's places for those kinds of things, but I'm seeing too, too many of these guys that are, that are promoting entrepreneurship you know, all these hardcore things, but all of a sudden, how far do you go hardcore before you actually break yourself down so much yeah. that you're in a freaking hospital bed or you're burnt out in, in a mental hospital, mm-hmm. um, you know, or you're on drugs because you can't even keep yourself going anymore. So I don't, I'm, I'm trying to bring that balance to these coaches obviously out there that are, that are being like, that are seeing the, you know, I don't want to use names in the, on this, on this podcast, but they're seeing promotional social media of all the, all the really successful guys with jets and cars and fancy Lambos. And I'm like, that's awesome. If you want that, but know that behind closed doors, you know, they got a broken family, they have broken kids, they're divorced. Um, they don't have their parents anymore. They're fucking, you know, in mental hospitals. I'm like, I don't want that. And yeah. I get you have to like discipline is key. Like, cause you know, you're, you're, you've been in the force now for 17 years, brother. So, you know, cause you've gone through, you see criminals, you know, all mm-hmm. the time going through all these things. So it's like, you know, I'm trying to bring that awareness of like building a great business as you're a trainer and coach to have freedom, but not have to kill yourself to do it. Yeah. And so when you talk about trying to find people, whether it's clients or find those coaches, obviously you're going to have certain parameters that you want these people, you know, to kind of fall within, do you find it hard to find those, like those trusting people or those people that you want to take on? Cause it's not unlike the gym, right? We talked about this last week. There's going to be a lot of people who are just there to spew bullshit. They just want to get along for the ride. So that must be a little bit of a challenge in itself. It is. I think I've gotten better over the years because I've realized trust your intuition. Hmm. And in my earlier years, I, I was told that, but I never did it. I used my head more than my intuition. And I've realized as I learn more from other CEOs with other successful businesses that I actually that I look up to because I want that kind of model, um, they always tell me like Matt, trust your gut, man. Like your gut never lies. Yeah. Um, so I I look to like bring people on my company slower now and like as they kind of go through our program, I see if they're putting in the work, I see if they're putting in the discipline, if they're getting their results, and also showing up. And I usually hire internally never bring in coaches or team members. So I, I don't actually, yeah. I look more internal as opposed to external. And then from there, like actually building people up around the culture um, yeah. as they, as they grow with us. So is TRM specific to the Montreal area right now? Like you guys, or how do you have coaches that you have on or leaders on board that are across the country, all over the world, yeah, all, all over the world. Yeah. So we have That's... five countries. So we, so our leaders right now, we have leaders in Canada, the U S and in the UK. So three different leaders in three different countries or sorry, different places but of course the u.s market for us obviously it's growing the fastest for us right now mm-hmm. montreal it was growing initially in the beginning but I'm, I'm not a french business i don't want to be french business 
So we got like, you know, we got clients here, but I don't market here at all. It's just by word of mouth in Montreal. Mm -hmm. I'm just here because of my wife, but we're eventually going to move somewhere else down the road. But, you know, Canada, like, for example, we, we we're with Magnum, you know, Mag, the company Magnum, you know, the supplement company over. In, I, in, I've heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. We're partnering with them. So a lot of their athletes come to us for coaching. Okay. We're, partnering, we're partnering with a big thing called Ed and Betty Parissa with their Texas NPC IPV Pro events. Oh, wow. um, we're partnering with Greg, you know, Hidden Jim McCoy. Steve Kuklo is also one of our guys as well. So um, and like we have like Jimmy Fowler from First Form. And like it, it's kind of cool because we have all these awesome people. And of course, I. I'm kind of guided where it's like, I'll, I'll kind of build trust with you kind of like, you know, over time. Yeah. And if you show those angles, we'll work together as a leader and, and build from there. So that's awesome. That is incredible, man. So do you get to travel quite a bit then with your business? Now I do. Yeah. During yeah. COVID it was off, but yeah. It's all zoom calls. Like yeah, I, I could be in the UK, calls. but I get to stay at my house and just look at what you're doing in the UK. <laughs> that's lots of fun. Hey, oh, 100%. Man. Yeah. So what's the plan? You want it? You guys are going to pack up and move at some point. Where's the, what's the inspiration or the, where's the destination of, of choice for you guys? Yeah. I think I was telling you last, last week there, man, is that we're, you know, we came back from Grand Cayman for three weeks in Grand Cayman and uh, we were kind of going there to explore the Island first, see how we like it. And me and Jen both have had a vision and had a dream to live, you know, live on a beach somewhere. It was just kind of, we kind of let go of that dream when we were kind of going through all of our stuff in life. Right. Mm -hmm. And then now that we're kind of really, you know, getting back into a really strong position now, again, um, for the first time, we're like, you know, we're dreaming big, we're dreaming big, we're, we're going for the vision. So we were looking to move down there probably about a year, year's time and um, just move right from Canada down there and just travel back to Canada, maybe, you know, a couple times a year. But like, I travel a lot to Dallas, Dallas, probably three or four times a year. Dallas is kind of a hub for all of our, a lot of our clients. Okay. I'm going to Vancouver at the end of May. So I'm getting back to traveling now again, to be honest, Daryl, but mm -hmm. I love traveling. Like I love traveling mm -hmm. to our events. Yeah. That's awesome. The you don't normally hear that when it's like, where you want to move to the Cayman Islands? What? <laughs> like that's a, that's pretty awesome. So you guys are going to end up doing that in a couple of years. So I'll tell you what, like I have no like no problem coming to work out with you in Montreal, but I think the Cayman might be a little bit better to that. My we could recreate that scene from Rocky, right? When when Apollo and, and Rocky are running through the water in the beach, like we could do that. It'll be it'll as be long as you fun. bring that hair, we're good to go, man. You bring that hair, we're I will freaking, we're ready to roll, man. <laughs> That's, listen, it's a hope and a prayer. This hairdo has to last me a lifetime. I don't mind if it turns gray, which it's already starting. As long as I don't start losing it, because that's, the hair's my identity. If that goes, I'm, I don't know. <laughs> Come on oh. down, man. We'll make it happen. We'll freaking be on the beach. We'll do push-ups. You can show me your 100 push-ups because you, you always had that freaking chest, man. You still got that chest that you had before? Uh, It's there, you know, it's there. I just, yeah. I find with age, man, like I'm not worried about lifting heavy whatsoever anymore. Like it's always about form. It's always about, and like you talk about intuition, like I don't train five days a week because it's a necessity. I know like, it's more of like an internal listening to your body and going, okay, like what's today feel like for me? And if it's like, I'm tired, but I'm still going to go, then you go, but it's not, uh, it's there. My kids think it's funny that I can like make my boobs bounce and stuff like that. And they're like, it's <laughs> you know, like, my son always goes, you know, he watches Terry Crews. He's like, Hey, can you do that? I'm like, yeah, but it's not nearly as, as much as he can do it. Like he's, <laughs> he's ripped. <laughs> yeah. Any like when COVID shut down or when COVID shut the economy down, like it was trying to find out how do you can exercise in your house? Cause I'm not a workout at home kind of guy. Like, the motivation to get to the gym is half the battle. And then yeah. once you're there, you work out, but like to come downstairs, I could never. So I was trying to do like a push-up challenge where I was doing a thousand push-ups a day. 
and uh and then it just screwed my shoulder up so then i could go to gym it was, it was too much right like it was just way too much so but uh, you try things here and there i imagine it's a bit of a challenge for you guys like how was how are your trainers doing any of that stuff during covid you guys must have just been going nuts Oh, dude, no, actually, we pivoted pretty fast because when COVID hit, I had all my coaches move from in-person coaching to virtual online coaching. And we saw we saw their numbers just go like from like from this to like this. So it's oh. funny because now a lot of our trainers are hybrid trainers where they do, you know, in-person and obviously online training combination of the two. Some do virtual training over Zoom as well. It's probably a bit of a, a bit more of a market because now you can hit a bigger audience, you know, no travel. You don't have to worry about going into into businesses. You can just throw your computer on and scream at yeah. them from your camera. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much what it is, dude. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. No, that's cool. Did you, uh, have you, do you and Jen work out together? Is that something you guys have picked up along the way? We, we would love to but right now because we have no daycare right now. So we, we oh, kind of yeah. swap both ways. So I watch the kids, she'll train vice versa. That's yeah. kind of our schedule right now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, two small kids, which is, it's, uh, little kids are such a handful. So how have you guys found how have you found business with the kids at home with COVID and everything like that? Personally, how has it been for you? I, I use the word flexible and I use the word like, you know, um, it's an adventure. So the intention of course is there to like, when I came back from Cayman, it was funny. I had this kind of open, open, like awareness of realizing that I went to Cayman and the last day was my birthday. Last day was, it was, it was March 2nd and we were like leaving on, on the next day. And I had this awakening. I was like talking to Aaron about this. And it was the first I actually really was present and actually enjoyed being there. I was there for three weeks where I was like, why the hell did it take me two and a half weeks to figure this out till now? And I realized that, um, you know, with my kids and everything is like, you know, being at home and during COVID and everything is I'm always working in the office, doing Zoom calls, working on projects, kind of building my business. And I go upstairs and be with the kids, as you probably know, because you got three kids as well. And my mind was never there. It was kind of always still on work. It was like, mm -hmm. I'm with the kids, my mind's on work. I'm with the kids. I'm, th I'm thinking vice versa. So I came back and I made, I made a choice. I was like, Matthew, you're going to set some boundaries of like when you're going to have time with the kids. And of course, when you're actually going to get your ass on a work, your work on your business and like have those boundaries and just, just do them. Yeah. And when I got back, it's, it's been like a, a switch for me as far as keeping those things in check. And I would say it's been pretty damn good being the first month being here. We got back from a two hour walk this morning where we were, you know, didn't think it was, wasn't going to work at all. Come back. I podcast with you. And I feel like now it's like having those strict boundaries as an entrepreneur is very important. Yeah. Oh, for sure. It is. Especially because they require a ton of attention and a lot of time to make sure. Right. And it's, it's a juggling act. You, there's no manual on how you can do this properly. It's, you got to feel the whole system out, the whole process out as you go. Um, you know, and the one thing when you talked about, it took three weeks for you to actually get to a place where you're calm and like just a little bit more laid back. I think that's like COVID has been, it's just fucked with people mentally, man. Like it has caused so much stress, so much anxiety. People are always on edge and it takes a long time to decompress, especially if you don't know how. So to be in, to be in the Caymans and you're like, just like way up here with your anxiety level for three weeks, like that's, it just goes to show how hard it, how hard it hits you and how long it can actually take you to just settle yourself just a little bit. Right. It's so true, man. Well, what about you? Like, obviously you're, you're also, you're on the force and you yep. work in shift work, right? Well, so I switched over. So I work with a team of, uh, it's called HHU. So it's historical homicide. So we, we work on all unsolved homicide files. So what's, it's actually leveraged us a little bit more flexibility to be able to work from home. Cause there's, there's nothing that we have to worry about working in the office for specifically. So you can like all of our stuff is, is done from home or on computer. So you can do it at home. You can work in the office when there's things that you have to run out, run out the door to go do, you can definitely do that. But it's uh, COVID has been a, 
shitstorm of negativity and bad things, but it has really afforded us a lot of opportunity. And uh, I've talked about it before. Like we bought a lot out by Nordegg. Um, so in 2020, we went out there and our 2019, we, we went out there to look. And then by 2020, we had bought a lot. Um, but it was that same thing. It was like, we needed a place to go where you can escape. And even though we were working from home again, which is grateful because I had a job and our kids were home and they were all safe. It's like, you're at home with your family, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Like that to me was not a normal or natural thing. And we needed to find a way to get the hell out of here and, and just be with the universe and be with the, with nature and just kind of just drop everything. So that was the inspiration for us to go out to the mountains and and uh, so, you know, like if it wasn't for COVID, we probably wouldn't have gone out and done that. We probably wouldn't have ventured out to the mountains and found ourselves a nice little piece of paradise that we could go and just retreat to and live and have fun and relax. So there's a lot of bad, but there's a lot of good that's come with it for sure. And that lot, is it more of a cabin you guys, you guys got? Well, when we went there, it's all raw, right? So it's under, it's a new, it's a new development that they put in there. So when you went to go look at the lots, it was just trees. So you're like, well which one do we want? How do we want to get this thing set up? So we, we picked one that we, we thought was ours and uh, um, we changed that one to a different one. So the one we actually bought, we hired a company, a local company out there and uh, they took the trees out. They put the driveway in for us. So we've got a big pocket down on the bottom where we're going to build our cabin eventually. Um, but right now, like we bought a fifth wheel, we pulled the fifth wheel out there in the, in the springtime park it. And that's what we stay in for the summer. Wow. And then, so once, once we're ready to build, then we'll definitely build. It's, there's a lot of, a lot of things that are happening right now that kind of not, they don't inhibit us, but we're not really sure what kind of cabin we want. But then when you start looking at the price of wood, like it's fucking ridiculous right now. So like, we're not in any huge rush. We'll, we'll build it once things are, you know, once we're, once we're good and ready, but uh, it's, it's been awesome. Like we go out there paddleboarding and just go just live. Like it's awesome. It's, it's been so much fun for the kids. So you guys go there on camp right now. You guys go and camp there, I can imagine, correct? Yes. Camp for a weekend or camp for a day and call, you know, do something yeah. like barbecue out there on the open fire and call it a day, right? hundred percent. Yeah. That's anytime we have days off or stuff like that, we just pack up the truck and we bomb out there and we spend the weekend or we spend a week or two or whatever it's going to take. And we just, just go relax and enjoy life. And it's just simple, right? Like that's the one part about life that I think people miss a lot is it's simple living. You don't need your cell phones. You don't need the internet you know, just go outside like just get outside totally man i hear yeah. you dude <laughs> well and that's the thing with the kids like you'll experience this i'm sure if you haven't already electronics man like my son loves to game he loves to be on his phone he loves to do but it's like just put that shit away and walk outside like just get outside and all of a sudden he's like oh it's like we did this outside we were playing hockey we wouldn't do like, yeah like that's good get outside stop sitting in the house driving us crazy <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah. That's funny, man. You'll experience wow. that though. It's That's coming. Come. Oh, I, I agree, man. It's definitely, well, even with the kids that you bring out, let's four years old right now and she's a big into, into gymnastics right now. So it's kind of funny to see I'm kind of training the kids to go for a walk with me, you know, whenever I go for walks or whatever, but like outdoors, like you said, man, it's, it's a game. It's, it's very important for the kids. Oh, it's, and that's where it's at. You know, like it, everything will come back to just nature and just simple things. And so it really all just depends on how you want to take things that way. But, uh, um hey i forgot to ask you the other day but i should ask you now Iram, do you still talk to him i haven't talked to Iram in ages man ages no? you is he no i well no i think the last time i saw him was at popeyes and then well of course i moved away after that so i haven't but my brother had said that he started up a business a supplement business in the city but i haven't i haven't talked to him forever 
Well, I think when he was with the other, was it Popeye's? It was Popeye's before. Then he opened up yeah. his own thing, right? his own store for like a, probably over 10, 12 years now, 13 years. Oh, wow. Hey. Um, I think yeah, he's had that ever since then. That was, that's pretty much last time I saw, I saw Aaron was pretty much back in the day when he had his store open. Mm-hmm. You, uh, you're going to have to tell, bring TRM to Nate into the gym there one day and just bring everything back to where it all started. Hey, <laughs> just grab a couple of clients and bring them right back to the gym and just show everybody this is where it's at. Well, funny enough, man, funny story. So actually last Tuesday, I actually did a presentation for the Nate, Nate PFT program on business. Good for you. That's awesome. That was weird, man. That was so crazy going back there after 17 years and doing that because Craig Worms, my old instructor back in the day, actually, and also Kate Andrews asked me to do this, you know, this alumni talk on business basically for their, for their coaches or for their two-year people. Yeah. And it was kind of like weird to kind of, it was, it was cool and it was weird. It was fun. It was kind of like missed emotions because of course I, last time I actually was, you know, talking to, uh, you know, the team was like back when I was an actual student back in the day. So it was kind of cool to, you know, give back to the program that kind of gave so much to me back in the day. So for sure. Yeah. How do you like, when did it come to be that you, the, the mindset coaching was something? Cause I mean, any kind of coaching is based on a mindset. It's based on principle and you have to try to work your way up from that. So like, I realized that you kind of always had that perspective, but when was it that, when did you, the light bulb go off that you thought that mentoring and coaching people would be that route that you wanted to take? I think it was, it came natural to me because when I was personal training, I felt like it was like a complete joy and it was an easy thing for me to do that I just loved. And I was really, really bad in high school. I just passed high school and I actually hated school. But when I actually went to PT, I actually graduated with honors because I actually had enjoyed, you know, training clients and the fit, of course, fitness kind of gave me, gave, gave me the thing. So I realized coaching was sort of like a place where I could almost be me, um, you know, help people obviously achieve what they wanted to achieve. And even from the aspect of business coaching, mentoring and so forth, when a client actually sees their, their business or their life change, when they actually can generate income or have more freedom in their life or have more time with their kids or have more time to travel and do things they actually enjoy, that, that to me brings me, makes me happy because even back in the day, I couldn't do those things back in the day. You know, now people actually can. And to me, trainers and coaches, I think are one of the coolest jobs in the world because fitness to me is like, it's like vitality, right? Mm-hmm. So if a trainer can actually have like, you know, train clients, help them with vitality, actually have a business as well. To me, that's like, they're always giving back to the world to make it a better place. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of the way I see it as far as the bigger picture is concerned. Yeah. And it's, it's super therapeutic too. Yeah. It always has been. It always has been. You know, there was like this stigma back in the day of like trainers couldn't make much more than a couple of grand a month. And I was like, come on, like you can do, you know, like you can make this yeah. actually a good living for your life and actually make it a career path. Right. Well, I think it's, but I think it, it the mindset was that way because there was very, there was a lot of limitations on the style that people had for training, the way that people were training, and then the accessibility to different, you know, whether it was at a gym or a house and things have evolved like exponentially from where they used to be, you know, when it was all, all iron and now it's like resistance bands, yeah. what the hell's a resistance band going to do for me? Right. Like that doesn't really make any sense. Um, but it's evolved and you've got all sorts of different kinds of training. So you have a lot more of, of a broader audience that goes, okay, well, this, this is going to suit me or this will suit me, or maybe I want to be part of a running group or like the, as a lifestyle, uh, I think society has really taken on training, whatever it is. It's, it's really evolved. I totally agree. It's funny. The bad thing actually is funny because one of my partners, um, Aaron, um, his partner, Andrew does this thing called X3. Oh, okay. No. It's this guy who created this, this actual band program that's that has been like showing the science behind like what why band training is actually more beneficial than weight training. 
Um, so if you're to, you know, definitely check out X3, if you want to check it out, but like to me, band training is, is, is good, but weight training to me is still like, if you combine weight training with band, we just could be a whole different, whole different podcast to Daryl, but yeah, I'm not going to go there, but long story short, there's where it is. <laughs> <laughs> I've, you know, listen, I've done some, after I had some knee surgeries, I had to do a lot of the resistance band training. So to work on different mechanics and different, uh, you know, the way you're walking and the way that you're squatting, there's definitely a benefit. But there's this nostalgia that I just crave when it comes to being in the gym. And it has nothing to do with, you know, grabbing a resistance band or, or even some of these, like some of the new machines that they have. I just want, I just want the dumbbell or I just want the barbell. I just want the, the metal and I want to hear it clanging and I want to hear people screaming and I just want to hear that. You know what I mean? I was in Grand Prairie one time working out at the gym and I was squatting. And of course I was trying to emulate Matt Park because you were the first dude I'd ever seen squat four plates aside. And I'm like, this guy's fucking insane. Like what is happening right now? So anyway, my brother and I are at this gym in Grand Prairie and I'm squatting and I don't remember how much I was lifting. It's kind of a mood point. But as I was standing, like as I was going back up on my rep, I, I yelled. So the guy interrupts me mid set, which you never, ever do. Right. So whoever's listening out there, don't, don't ever like I'm, my brother's like, I'm surprised you didn't punch him in the face. So <laughs> He comes up to me and he like, he like singles to me to take my headphones out. So I've got the bar and the weight on my back and I take my headphone out. He's like, you can't scream in here. And I was like, what? what? So I never, I never went back to the gym. Cause I it just like, I was enraged. I threw the weight back on the rack. I think I even left the weight on there. Cause I'm like, fuck this. And I was like, I'm out of here. <laughs> oh, but that like, to me, that's where it was at. Like people are in there having a workout. And if, if the people upstairs who are taking selfies don't like it, maybe they should find a different place to go. They should probably go to Econo Fitness and train at Econo or something like that. Right? Is that what that's all about there? I don't know. Well, the $12 a month package where you just like go in there and train on, you know, this guy cattle in a machine. It's a, to me, Econo is like, that's where people go to their selfies, but that's why I train a private gym now. I'm sure you're the same as me now, Daryl, right? So. Oh yeah. Yeah. So like, do you follow certain programs or you just kind of, oh, obviously over the years, like you have built yourself into this big brick house. So do you have a, do you have a formula that you have, or you just kind of piece things together as you go? Is there something, some kind of training program that you like to follow? So there actually is. So, you know, Mike O'Hearn? No, I don't. Oh, is yeah. he the, is he the, the, uh, like the bodybuilder? Yeah. The power, power bodybuilding guy. I think, Michael yes. Hearn, Titan, Titan guy. Yeah. So I've, I've been following Mike O'Hearn now. I, I actually, actually, as a friend of mine, actually, we met about six, seven years ago on, on our tier on the peak mindset podcast. And, um, went down actually with actually him and Heath Evans for about a week down in you know um, LA and so forth as well. He taught me kind of the principles of power bodybuilding and like basically combining uh, powerlifting and bodybuilding kind of together you know with strength training. So he's 52 years old right now. Um, he looks like he's about 35. Like he's got never injured in his life, never had a back in, never tore anything in his body. But he also is very adamant about like you know eating and healthy and recovery and training like you know like just like discipline like crazy right. Yeah. We always like trained around the aspect of like slow, heavy, concentric on, and like, you know, like movements where it's like you're training your body for longevity, not for just like, you know, killing yourself every single time. So mm -hmm. you train really hard for sure. No questions asked, but you train smart. But I got the more of that philosophy of like lifting, you know, squatting, you know, two, three plates aside now, but like doing it, you know, in, in like four seconds, you know, cadence, you know, as opposed to like one down, one up and doing with more of like that kind of cadence and longevity principles. I find that actually is helping me like train hard and smart um, with no injuries anymore. Yeah. And doing more like, you know, compound movement still like, you know, still squats, deads, bench, um, and all the other accessories you're doing as well. And incorporating that with the polyquin principles as well for more of like, you know, contraction, you know, movements of like, you know, that kind of stuff as well. So kind of combine those two principles where, as opposed to like, 
you know, the Arnold days of like doing, you know, tons and tons of volume for like three hours. That's not my, that's kind of the, you know, that's, that's old school. Mm-hmm. It's more of that kind of method as far as longevity is concerned. Well, and it's like anything, certain programs will, you'll find you'll benefit from and certain ones you won't. Right. And yeah. uh, I followed one from, so Chris Gethin, when he was, I don't know if he still is, he was the editor in chief for bodybuilding.com way back in the day. And uh, do you know him? I, I don't know him actually personally, oh, but I know him. Yeah. I was going to say, if you, if you know him, uh, I want an autograph, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but he had a, he had a training program and the name of it slips my mind, but it was based on volume training, which is essentially what you're like, no, I don't want to do that. But it was half hour workout set you would go do. So you would do superset your chest and back one day, and then you would have uh, arms. So you do buys and tries, you would have your shoulders. And then the other day you would have your legs, but it was, um, it was, kind of high weight, but it was moderate weight, but high intensity, high volume. So you would start off, you would do a reverse drop set. So you'd go 30, 20, 10, 5, 5, 5, 5, 10, 20, 30. And so that would be your chest day legs was from 50 to 10 and then 10 back to 50. Um, but that was the one program where I've, I had to modify it because I found that that much repetition was really hard on the joints. So then I've kind of tailored it so that I don't go as quickly in each set. But that one program is, I found to be one of the best ones that I have ever done because it just wow. affords you so much volume that like your muscles are worn out. You've got so much blood volume in that muscle tissue that, you know, you do the old 30 second Arnie flex when you're done and it's like, it just kills you. Like it was, it's a great workout. Yeah. It's almost like our eight days, Daryl, like talking about our programs back and forth because we'd sit in the change room talking about like, Hey, Daryl, what do you got planned for arms? Or I'd, I'd be like, Dude, we're gonna do this, this leg workout. I was like, no, Matt, I got a different idea for the legs. I can just, it's almost like our Nate days, girl. Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> I still haven't got the cannonball shoulders. I don't know. I don't know how you managed to do that. Mine still look like I've got, yeah, they're still, they're there, but they're not very big. <laughs> but dude, you had the arms. Like, yeah, I had the delts. You had the arms. Like, your arms were always like really juicy, man. Yeah. Juicy. They're, they're, yeah, they're still juicy, I guess. I, I found that I had to stop training them though, because that was the one, that was the one muscle group that I was built the fastest. So, instead of doing like one muscle group once a week, I had to cut out the arms and do it every other week because it just looks too disproportionate. <laughs> Little tiny shoulders and big oh, arms. <laughs> I love that, Daryl. Yeah, the arms oh. and chest guy. <laughs> oh, dude, that's awesome. So are you still doing your podcast? So we do the TRM show, like the TRM, the TRM show basically around basically the trainers and so forth for their businesses. So oh, okay. the show I did about 100 episodes back in the day. Um, more on mindset, of course, that kind of angle as well. Yep. Then kind of pivoted to, again, focusing on trainers growing their company. So basically, basically the last year we've had the TRM show kind of going me and Jamie Fowler, and we've had that every single week kind of f- focusing more on, on tra- helping trainers grow their businesses. Awesome. Well, let's, let's share your social media stuff. Let's show your, share your programs and everything like that. So how can people find, how do they get a hold of the podcast for your TRM? You bet. So it's at trainer revenue multiplier is basically the, the, the actual podcast. You ever go to iTunes that, that basically is trying to multiplier is the podcast show. Okay. Um, the site is the same thing. Trainermultiplier.com is basically our whole website for the actual platform that we use for trainers. And our program actually is called TRM 10 K. Um, for more information, go to TRM.com or TRM show.com for more information. Awesome. Do you have any social media that you guys, you guys dabble into? Um, at mindset, Matthew or at trainer multiplier basically is all of our, all of our things. Pretty simple, pretty short. It's pretty much to the point. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome, yeah. dude. Well, listen, uh, I'm going to wrap up the show here. I'll get you to stick on, but I really appreciate you coming on to chat, chat with me a little bit, uh, just to catch up in general, man. It's I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm really proud of you where you've gone 
where you've gone to from where we first were sitting in the change room and Nate, where it stunk like old asshole. And now you're sitting in Montreal, living the high life, traveling back and <laughs> forth to the Caymans, dude. So I'm really proud of you. And it's congratulations on all the success. And uh, I hope there's a lot more of it, but uh, more than anything, I appreciate you coming on with me here today. Thanks, Gerald. Much appreciated. You're awesome, buddy. I appreciate it, man, very, very much. Thanks, Gerald. Appreciate you, buddy.